Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon with Brandon Wound Pickups. Hey, everybody. It's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are thrilled to death that you are here. And um, I, I, I'm i actually joined in the studio by, by a good friend of ours. Friend of yours? Friend of ours? Who are you? This is John Esterly with Rare Buzz Effects. John hey! Esterly's back Welcome in the studio. Back, he he asked special to be on this one because um, he's got a, a, a mutual friend. Um, and that friend is, who are you, friend? Uh, Dan DeMay of Spun Loud Effects. Right. So John said, look, Todd, I know how much you hate my guts, but please, I really want to be. (laughs) Uh, He just wanted to be involved in this one, and we're happy to have him any old time. So uh, welcome, both of you. Yep. And Dan DeMay of Spun Loud Effects, we're going to get all up in your business about... (laughs) <laughs> I just got a weird look from wow. John. Um, <laughs> yeah, we can't wait to find out about uh, about your what you do and how you became doing it and all That's that right. good stuff. Yep. And have a couple of hee-haws and laughs on the way. So, <laughs> Dan, where can people check out your stuff um, as they're listening along? To the uh, spunloud.com or uh, Instagram slash spunloud. That's, that's where I'm most active. There's a Facebook, but I'm a little behind on there. Yeah, me so. too. I'm not behind yeah. on your Facebook. I'm, you know what I mean? <sighs> yeah, I think we're, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also coming down off about 27 cups of coffee today. Um, so <laughs> my knees like shaking and, um, and I just scarfed down some food for the evening. So um, I'm all set. I'm very jazzed. This is very exciting. I don't even know what to do with myself. <laughs> all right, everybody. We've got a couple of announcements real quick. We're going to start off with... Road! Road! All right, Road. Thank you so much for providing this awesome audio gear that we get to use. The Roadcaster Pro, this beautiful console sitting on a desk welcoming us back every week and the Procaster mics, which is, you know, just a, a big metal. How do, how do you do right in our face? So thank you so much for providing that. It makes our show sound much better. We got a really great four on the floor message from uh, our brand new grand poobah. Ooh, Tyler Rines. Hey, yeah, I'm going to paraphrase some of this. Uh, he says, uh, Todd and Tony and Jared, thank you for bringing your guitar joy, passion, and knowledge to the airwaves. I've been listening here for about two years now. Since my bass player introduced me to the world of pedals when we formed our 90s cover band, Smashing Cranberries. Really, yeah. for real. Uh, we mm. love when Jeff is on. Uh, I've, uh, I've noodled for 15 years before the band and you've helped transform into a serious guitarist with serious tone. In addition, our names to our namesakes, we do a 40 plus songs by everyone from Soundgarden to Spice Girls. So that's fun. You're having a good time, you know, rocking out. That's what it's about. Uh, the wisdom, uh, you share in your interviews, four on the floors, one on ones, help me be a tonal Swiss army knife. I love it. I need to be. I am beyond grateful for all that you guys do and stoked to be supporting the show. Thank you so much for all those kind words. Oh, Tyler, cool. welcome, welcome, welcome. And um, we do appreciate hearing from our listeners and supporters. 
So he wanted to share his four on the floor. Number one. Yep, Jared, you guessed it. It's the stone deaf fig fum fuzz. I knew it. <laughs> yes. Um, he says, it'd be great to get them on. Yeah, we, I've reached out to him before. I can do it again. Um, it's like having all the muffs, but with better cut, insanely tweakable EQ, boost, noise gate, and even wah with expression pedal. That is... That's quite a lot. That's a lot. The Stone Deaf, uh, what I like about them more than anything, they've just got such a neat aesthetic. They're the ones that have the, uh, it's almost like a 1930s animated, like all of their fonts are the old bubble yeah. fonts, and they've got the, the cartoons on yeah. Just a real neat look to the pedal itself. Yeah, what's that character? It was like the one before Mickey. Um, it was like the odd, uh, odd looking mouse and kind of like Felix the cat. And yeah, it's like there was. Yeah. They all looked. They they all looked like Mortimer. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. All of those things look like they were made by guys in prison. Yeah, there was something <laughs> sinister about all those old cartoons because they weren't like for little kids. They were for, you know, they were like uh, uh, comic strip types. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Afic- aficionados. <clears throat> yes. The next one up is uh, Tony's pick of the of, the, of this crop here which is the walrus audio monument tremolo it's got what you need if what you need is a solid trim with a handful of waveforms on tap and a secret syrupy univibe mode if you twist the knobs just right very cool how about the goo goo switch i don't know if it has that i think it's a trim pod inside yeah <laughs> yeah thanks tony um also the boss rc30 looper a new arrival but old faithful that will help me with my timing writing and leads indeed and finally your basic vox wah i had a crybaby back in the day but as a hendrix head and a funk fan love how the vox is voiced yes i would agree with that i like that's out of all the wahs i've ever owned i still like the uh, the vox the best mm-hmm. i think he could have said how the Vox is voxed. <laughs> Anyways, bad music joke. Sorry, everybody. Oh, boy. Well, I can't wait to get into the next little ditty here, which is finding out what's been going on in our music world this week. We're going to Duck, Duck, Goose, starting with Tony. Ah. Yes, sir. We're going to hop over to Dan. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go visit um, John Island. And the Straits of Jared, and then wind up around the Cape of Good Todd. <laughs> All right. Okay. I, I told you I had a lot of coffee today, guys. All right, Tony, go for it. I'm going to suggest stopping at 26 cups of coffee. Okay. Oh. So, well, let's see. This week, a couple of fun things. Well, today especially was special. Uh, our good friend, John Esterly, stopped by the shop today. It was always nice to see and chat with John. We're discussing a couple of fun, fun projects. Um, but um, a couple of other things. Uh, one, Our 200th episode winner, Steve Keys, who won a Pick Guardian project. Uh, I, I got his... Uh, for a uh, Ernie Ball Music Man Stingray. And um, he's a big fan of the band Authority Zero. So he had me do a uh, 
one of the our signature logo guards that uh, came out really nice. I sent you guys a photo. I don't know if, if both of you got it or not, but that's kind of fun, fun little project. And um, and today uh, on my doorstep was a Vox Pathfinder 10 in British Racing Green with a Union Jack grill. Super cool. So it's a little teeny tiny amp. It's you know it's nothing more than a practice amp. But um, musician's friend had a special deal where I think they list for let me or the street on them is around eighty nine dollars. They had because I'm a preferred member, I got an extra twenty five percent off, and then I had a bunch of bonus points. So it ended up costing about forty bucks. Oh wow! <laughs> so it was just like okay, I can do that. So. That was kind of fun. It's, uh, you know, it's a little teeny tiny six and a half inch speaker. So it's not something you really want to push too hard, but, uh, but it's cool. I've always had good luck with, uh, with Pathfinders. So awesome. that's, that's my week. I was wondering, you kept sending me that picture and I was like, what, 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 what? Well, here's the deal. So when I, when I send the photos, <clears throat> I think because Jared has some, uh, crazy, non-Apple phone, it always kicks back and says it wasn't sent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, you know, Jared, when are you going to get an iPhone? I'm thinking about getting one the next time. Good. I'm sick and tired of the stupid edge screen crap that uh, Samsung puts out. So thank you. Yes. All right. I just, I'll miss the back button is all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with an Apple, you don't need a back button. I have an Apple iPad. I I do like that. So no, it actually probably looks like a regular phone in your hand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Let's head on over and figure out what's going on with Dan. Uh, it's been uh, very pedal focused for me, which maybe comes as no surprise. Um, hasn't really been. Um, I haven't had anything personal wise other than I got a shipment of enclosures that I was waiting for that were late for a new pedal that I'll talk about later or whatever, but, um, I got a bunch of boards and I've been holed up in my office, uh, workshop, whatever, just putting pedals together and then plugging them in and getting sidetracked and then remembering that I have more to plug in and more to build. So (laughs) I need to stop. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been super cool though. I, I'm just, I'm really excited about this pedal and, uh, every time I plug in and test one, I'm like, ooh, what about this? And then I wander down a rabbit hole, and pretty soon my partner's yelling from the other side of the house, I can hear you! <laughs> and, uh, you know, and she works uh, nights, so when I'm off uh, doing my pedal stuff, she's actually working. So, you you know, yeah. that's always fun. <laughs> uh, Dan, now, do you have a go-to guitar for your, for your testing? Well, my... My go-to is my, um, I've got a, I think it's a 90 or an 89 um, Fender Heartland uh, or Heartfield RR. uh, Oh, not an RR9. I had an RR9 also. RR, God, it's it's out of my mind now, but it's, uh, I'll I'll, I'll remember it in a second. Is that Um, like a Stratocaster? It's not sort of it's stratocaster ask it's fender did these heartfield guitars in japan in the late 80s early 90s for just a few years and uh the big deal with them 
is that they, at least from all the stuff I read back when I bought this, um, was that they were made better. They were supposed to be cheap, but they were made better than they were uh, being sold at. So basically they took a loss and they gave up on it. Uh, and so that's kind of, I, I bought it for 300 bucks in like 1999 or something and nice. have never left it uh, anywhere behind. So, Yeah, I think I, I might have had a, a, a Talon. Yeah, that's a, that's a super common one. And it's you know I I I was I was I was super impressed with it. I mean you know it's they're they're really well made guitars and they I think that was kind of the practice run for Fender Japan to uh, to start making you know some of the things that they did uh, into the eighties and into the nineties. Mm. Is that now is that just one that you're like this thing sounds good with all my pedals or is this one of those situations where you um you that's just your favorite guitar to noodle around with. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's my favorite guitar to play. Uh, it, it's, it's an RR 58. That's the, the right number. I, I got hung up on the nine, but, John, can um, look it up and show it to me. Yeah. Yeah. The nine was kind of cool. Cause it has an active pickup mm. and it had this yellow with blue sparkle in it, which was kind of crazy. Mm. Yep. Um, mine's in, in TV yellow, just, uh, clear, Clearish, but it's cool because it's got dual humbuckers, but it's got a five-way pickup switch, so you can split the coils. Oh, and so I like it for testing pedals because I can get a single coil sound, mm -hmm. and so I can kind of get both. I mean, obviously, it's not the same as plugging in a Strat, but you know, it's I don't have a Strat, so right. that's what I got. Gotcha. So, hey, uh, really quick. Oh yeah, I see. It's like a junior. Yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah. kind of small. Uh, Back in the day, I wanted a really light guitar, and when I saw this one in a music store, I was like, "Yeah, that's yeah. that's light. It's easy to, you know." I was into pogoing and jumping around on stage back then, so um, yeah, it almost has a reverend kind of vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so let's see uh, what's going on with uh, with John here. Well, uh, you had asked Dan about what he uses to test his pedals, and mm -hmm. that's kind of where my week in music has revolved. So I've taken on an intern at Rare Buzz Effects, uh, an Ooh. OSU student who comes in and kind of helps out, um, which has been great. Go Bucks. Yeah. And um, so he brought in, he's got a guitar that's an Epiphone Les Paul that's got these the Seymour Duncan P-Rails in it. And I really like the fact that you can have one guitar with, I think if you do the math on it, it's what, 24 different pickup voicings between the neck and the bridge and the three wow. different settings of each. So um, I tried to find a good platform because, you know, I like weird things. So I found, I showed Tony a picture of it today. I found this. It's an ESP LTD Viper. And uh, the, the way I would describe it is if a Jazzmaster and a Les Paul, or a Jazzmaster and an SG, rather, had a, like an illegitimate guitar child. And uh, so it's, it, it is like an offset SG. Um, and it's currently got EMGs in it, but, uh, you know, the plan is to pull them out and put P-Rails in it. And then uh, that'll, mm -hmm. that'll be kind of the test guitar at the studio. Because right now we've got... I think five different guitars and other than the Gretsch that, you know, both Tony and Jared had a hand in, um, they're all, you know, economy beginner guitars. So I'm looking for something that's a little bit nicer that we can still get different voicings out of and just kind of cut down on the bulk. Um, so 
that's uh, that's been a lot of it. And then also as a uh, just kind of a self depreciating moment here, I you know anybody who follows me knows that I've been putting together this jazz master over the last year and finally got it in one piece. Well. Last week, I picked it up for the second time to play it and decided it was a little bit out of tune. And uh, so I went to tune it, and it's got locking tuners on it. And I have never had a guitar with locking tuners, and I will be the first one to tell you I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So um, without going into exactly what happened, I end up snapping the two of the strings while I was trying to tune this guitar. So I I figured out how locking tuners work. And now that they work, I I can't (laughs) recommend them highly enough because it makes string changes quite a bit easier but you just have to kind of know what you're doing <laughs> yeah yeah yep yeah it's like uh trying to bake a turkey in a microwave if you don't know what you're doing well and and <clears throat> see my thought process was the lock wasn't what i thought the lock was doing is locking the key in place mm-hmm. so i was loosening the locks as i'm turning the keys and when i got to the higher strings there just wasn't enough meat left on the bone and they were snapping out of the headstock. And of course you really, when there's only what about a quarter inch of play in it, you can't really feed it back in. And right. So yeah, got a, got a fresh set of strings at, on a guitar the second time I'd picked it up and yeah, but nice. it plays like a dream. So are you going to put locking tuners on all your stuff now? I, I really think I am um, in all seriousness. If for no other reason than it, I had those strings changed out in under five minutes. I mean, it just cuts mm. the time down so much, not having to sit there and spin the tuner Do 60 all the times. And yeah. go, doggone it, I put too much on it. Yep, yep. It just, it makes life so much easier. And then really, you know, once it's set, it's kind of set. It doesn't pop around at all. So. Yeah, right on, right on. Jared, how about yourself? Ooh, what have I done in my guitar week? Um, <laughs> I've been trying to decide what guitars I want. I think I want to sell some guitars and make some more room. My, uh, I had a little theater room in my basement and that became my office room for my little pickup business. So my little pickup business is just taking over my whole basement. So I got a, I'm, I want to make some more room. And, and, um, as John was saying a second ago about, you know, having all this bulk and having all this test equipment, man, I've got all these Marshall amps, these stacks, these different kinds of amps. I got a Fender amp and I got an orange amp and all you that have kind a of music thing. store in your basement, dude. I, I do. And I need to, I need to Give get the minimum. Oh. I want to cut it down to the minimum, uh, as far as amp goes and make more room in that room too. And just have it not be so dig on cluttery. Um, but, I bought an Epiphone Wildcat maybe, I can't even tell you how many years ago. I may have talked about it uh, on the podcast, but I, you'd have to find the episode, and that's when I got it. Um, and I'm not going to look for it. So well, I can't it's only tell you. 210 episodes. <laughs> I know. So have fun. Um, but no, I got it out, and Zach was here, and I wound a New Yorker pickup and i forgot the i forgot the name of uh, what's a new yorker pickup okay so epiphone new yorker was just a model of what epiphone made in the in the 50s Mm -hmm. and i'm I'm hoping tony can help me out a little bit they had a they had a single coil pickup and it was it was around the same size as a mini humbucker slash firebird pickup 
Yeah, um, I, I would say in terms of size, it was about the same. But yeah, it was definitely it, not a not a mini humbucker. No, it's a single coil. It's got an enormous magnet inside, and it's actually the coil is wound right around on the, onto the magnet. So there's tape and some sort of insulation between the magnet and the windings, but the windings are directly wound into the magnet. And uh, so I, I got into an original one and figured out how they were made, structured, whatever. It's very simple, um, very basic. So I made one. Um, I used a K speed bump magnet. Those magnets are enormous. And I made one of those pickups for this Wildcat Epiphone. I had Tony make me some really cool tortoiseshell uh, pickup surrounds, like beauty rings for these because it originally had the dog ear P90s. And uh, by the way, Tony, they look fantastic on this guitar. I finally, after I don't know how long I've had this thing, it wasn't very expensive, but it looks really great. I had Zach uh, put in a new wiring harness, so it's got, you know, good, decent electronics. And uh, we put a screaming 11K humbucker in the bridge. it's a it's a Firebird type pickup, and the New Yorker style is in the neck, and it sounds so warm. It sounds so warm and good that it actually pairs perfectly with the hot screaming, you know, Firebird humbucker. I, I love that I can hear you searching for an adjective. And you just said, ah, screw it. It's good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to keep the flow going. And It's yeah. good. It's, it you know, was so, it's so. Exquisite. And smooth. <laughs> so fine. Funny. No, it, it, honestly, no, it is creamy and, and um, not too dark. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, a, a neck pickup is really hard to get way too uh you know uh a piercing or or mm-hmm. twangy it's now, it sounds really can great you, can you tell us um you mentioned k pickups uh the 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 toaster no, not the toaster the, the speed bump pv did the toaster but the speed bump can you just describe that just in case anybody's like what the heck is a, to- a speed bump pickup yeah so k um I'm not sure if if K built the pickups or or if they bought the pickups from some company, but these pickups are um, a little larger than a Firebird pickup because everybody knows what a Firebird pickup looks like. And there is a well, and, and anyone who doesn't, many humbucker has pull pieces, mm-hmm. and a Firebird pickup does not. Right, and there are two magnets in each coil on a Firebird. And on a mini humbucker, there's only one bar magnet at the bottom that is perpendicular, or or I'm sorry, it's sitting parallel onto the base plate, just like a normal humbucker. So it's actually magnetically structured slightly differently, and it does have a a different sound. So they are two very different pickups, even though the coils are wound the same way and and they're the same size and everything like that. It's just your... Yeah, uh, your mini humbucker is basically a mini humbucker. It's it's structured the same way, and the Firebird is a little different. It has two magnets that are directly inside of those coils mm-hmm. instead of the 
steel slugs and screws, um, like a mini humbucker. What's the sound difference on between like a Firebird pickup and a mini humbucker? Firebird is gonna. It's not a giant sound difference. I think you have to have two guitar, two of the same guitar with each pickup, and you know the mini in one and the Firebird in the other to mm-hmm. to really catch the difference. But I I would say the Firebird pickup is a little louder in your face uh kind of thing because it's it's going to have a little more magnetic power um, yeah i I, I've always, mini. I always thought they were brighter they are and they're they're louder brighter more present uh just because there's a lot more magnetic pull in in the firebird pickup. that'd be a good one for zach to do on his show on the youtubes oh okay like a, a mini a mini versus a a, a firebird Tell them to do that. Yeah, make it happen. Make fun. it so. That would be fun. So, yeah, anyway, this Epiphone Wildcat, uh, it's a natural top, but it's it's got really great flame. I mean, it, it really it looks like a $600 guitar where it's probably just going to be a $300 guitar. So, oh, all right. So I'm Jared, excited. You just gave me an idea based on just this little thing you've gone here. I sure. think we need to revisit um, pickups 101. Actually, it'd be pickups 102. <laughs> or would it be 201? Yeah, maybe 201. Where and okay. and actually, I think we should probably like take a, as many questions as we can to fire at you because I just wrote down like four or five ones that we haven't covered yet. So, what do you think? 101, 102, of 201. Absolutely, yeah. Zach and I would love to do that. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, that means that anybody who's hearing this and I will all send out to everybody on, you know, probably on Instagram or something. Um, we'd love to take any and all questions regarding pickups and then we'll fire it, them at Jared until Woo-hoo. he gets really nervous and wants to crawl into a corner and cry. <laughs> um, all right. I think, oh, it's just me now. Is it just me? Yeah. I mean, I'm here. You did hear I I know, but I'm here. Yeah. Oh, alone. yeah. So <clears throat> I can see Tony and Dan. I guess I'll just um, introduce, I'll just do my own thing here. So, so anyways, this week, um, what I decided to do was. How about you, Todd? I was, <laughs> I was trying to stall because I was, I knew you were going to come in with that. No, I've been writing a lot and um, I'm, we're putting together like um, all the things that we need for another album. And as I was coming up with new stuff to write, instead of writing and getting it really comfortable on one guitar, which is kind of what I would typically do, which is why I use a couple different guitars live, because I'm like, nope, I wrote this one on this guitar, and this is why it feels right, um, and also sounds right. I decided to immediately, after I had something, I was like, hey, this is a thing. I played it on the three different guitars that um, have three different pickups. So one's got a, like a Tele bridge that I play. One's got the humbucker and the other one's got the P90. So I immediately just did a quick shootout of like, am I getting the the flavor of what I'm trying to do? Not just the, the actual, um, you know, chord progression or anything. It was like, am I getting the, what, what the personality of this is right away? And because I do believe that even, early on even if the, you don't have a semblance of a song if you hear a sound if you hear something tonally that the character of that tone can actually become the driving force of the song it doesn't have to be 
an actual like music progression. It can, it can absolutely be a sound. And I don't mean necessarily an effect, but how the get, how the guitar, how you, the guitar and the, and the sound coming out are like interacting can, can be a, a, the whole character of our song. So I've been saying, Oh, I'm going to switch this up a little bit, take the opportunity and see if I can figure that out early on. So, Oh, there you have it. And it was really fun. And I probably wasted too much time, but it was good. Made me feel good. Felt happy. So there, there you have it. That's a super cool, uh, approach to, to songwriting and thinking about songs. Thank you. Dan, I'm glad you're still here. I, I am. I'm, I'm a songwriter too. So I totally, uh, you know, I can totally see that, like writing a song and being like, this is the guitar I wrote it on. This is what it feels right on. But yeah, but I, yeah. But I think that's a great experiment to just be like, no, play it on this guitar, play it on this guitar, feel it around and, and get that, um, that vibe or use a better word to describe it. But yeah, well, and you know, something else that it does is that like, not only totally, but when you, you know, I don't know if everybody else has this, but I don't have like one strap that I just put every guitar on. It, depending on what guitar it is, it, it's at a slightly different position. That makes you play a little bit different, little nuances there. So really quickly, it, it, you can have a whole other thing develop. And that's when a lot of happy surprises come out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool, man. Hey, how about some of this? One, two, one, two, three. Four on the floor. Hey, John. Hey, Tony. You know, when we were got together at the shop today, I thought you said that you don't have any patch cables that you can rely on. Is that true? That's very true. I've got, I think, one patch cable for all wow. of my pedals. Wow. You must switch them out quite a bit. It's it's pretty much <laughs> worn to the nub at this point. So. <laughs> I am certainly looking for some patch cables. Is there anything that you would recommend? I would recommend... Tour gear. Did, did I hear tour gear from <laughs> from God? Mr. Brandon? God just said tour, tour gear. Tour gear designs. Now tour l- gear designs. Let me be clear. I have multiple pedals with multiple jack layouts. Oh, so I'll need multiple these, links. These will tickle your fancy because they come in different lengths, different layouts in terms of where the jacks are. And they're very, very, very thin. The size of, or the, the flatness of a crepe, if you will. Oh, okay. That's right. I don't know why he thinks that's funny. It's never uh, funny. Let, I, let me, I, it's funny every time because it irritates you. <laughs> okay, I can get behind that. Let, let me say this, though, Tony. I don't have a whole lot of money. These have to be expensive. Oh, no, they're not expensive. In fact, they're one of the most affordable patch cables on the market. They're the cheapest tool there is. And you can save even more when you go to tourgeardesigns.com forward slash discount forward slash the guitar knobs because you're going to save 10% off your entire order. And these things start off at about five fifty or so, right? That's right. Well, that's very affordable. Uh So head on over to tourgeardesigns.com forward slash discount forward slash the guitar knobs. Pick out all the cables that you're going to need to redo your board, and you are going to love your board even more than you already do, and you're going to save a bunch of money while you're doing it. So thanks to the guys for at Tour Gear Designs for making such an awesome product that we uh, fully stand behind. All right, so let's find out what Dan Spun Loud 
has for his four on the floor. I can't wait to hear this. Go ahead, Dan. Okay. Well, I tried to think about a lot of things uh, putting this together, but um, I had to go back to my uh, my days when I played shows, um, and obviously that's past tense for all of us right now. But but I you know I didn't I haven't played a lot of shows in the last ten years, a handful. But I used to play a lot of shows, and forever and ever the only pedal I had was this pedal, uh, which is the Visual Sound Jekyll and Hyde. And I loved it, and it, it, I, it did everything I needed to do for a long time uh, when I didn't really know what else was out there. So uh, so that is a pedal that, uh, I mean, I, it's just, it's, it's got all the things that I needed for a long time in a drive pedal. Now I need so much more in every way all the time, but that's my own fault. Uh, but it's got the overdrive and the distortion. I, I think... The overdrive is is in the vein of uh, Tube Screamer, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, and I don't remember what the distortion side is based on, but um, you know it's uh, two switch, two channel. Uh, mine is one of the old ones. I think I got it in God probably 2002 or one or maybe before that even. So it just has uh, like a bass boost switch and a sharp blunt switch. So you can kind of shape a little bit and then um, ample uh, tone and EQ knobs to kind of get you there. So uh, that's, I, I got to throw that on there. Anybody else, awesome. anybody familiar with that one at all? I am not. Oh, all right, well. I've, I've I, not I, played one, but I've, I've seen, you know, pictures and reviews of it. Now, is that one that, you, I mean, do you stack the two effects or is it you're kind of using one or the other? Or I always used it as uh, one side was my always on. I always used the distortion as my always on. And then I would just have the overdrive cranked up. And then when I would get to a lead part or whatever, that would be, I'd flip that on and stack them. Um, and I was running that into my, my basement 50 so um did a good job on stage good nice All right. uh, this is going to be kind of drive heavy but um we're going to take a turn here uh next to the keely mag echo mm. and i had i had been in this band uh, a few years ago and a guy had a uh one of those dunlop echoplex delay pedals and I really, I really liked the age function on that. And I thought it was just a cool, like kind of tape echo delay sound. And so then I was looking for a new delay pedal for myself. And I started reading about the mag echo and it's in the same vein. It's a tape echo type of thing, um, with actually five knobs. So that's kind of cool to me. Um, so you got your time regeneration uh level and then depth and speed and like the modulation zone and i just think it gives like i love that sort of vintage tape delay sound and without having a big box that's a tape delay nothing against those they're great uh but yeah that that really covers all my delay needs super well and you know i like a lot of keely stuff nice that's a great one uh, next up, I've got the Dirty Haggard Audio 797 Lo-Fi Overdrive. Oh. And, 
Uh, Nick is another uh, builder buddy of mine who I communicate with regularly. And uh, he's got he's got one of my blister and peels. He's got a uh, prototype of the uh, litigator. And he sent me a couple of uh, a couple of his pedals. He sent me this one and the 3904. And I plugged this thing in and I was just like, it just, I don't know why, but I just started playing Blink-182, which is, you know, <laughs> whatever. But it was like, I just heard it and I was like, that's that sound. And I was like, all right, yeah, this is cool. And it just, uh, you know, it's an op-amp uh, overdrive, but it's just super simple driving volume. And it just, it's great. I, I like to run it uh, super low on the gain side and then just crank the volume a little bit. And it's ample distortion or overdrive. And uh, yeah, just it's just another flavor. You know, you, you got to have a lot of flavors, I think. Dirty Hager was a great guest. We enjoyed having oh, him on yeah. the show. That's episode 170 for anybody who wants to go check that out. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a great dude too, and and super smart. Uh, like like John, I also uh, pick Nick's brain regularly for uh, ideas, advice, feedback, etc. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, definitely a big fan of his stuff. Awesome, fantastic. And last but certainly not least is a relatively recent uh, acquisition, and that's the Dusky Augustus. Uh, octave fuzz or Octavia type mm-hmm. pedal, however you want to go. Uh, I've been in love with Dusky stuff since the first time I saw it because I just think it all looks beautiful. And uh, when he came out with this, I was like, God, that that just that seems like such a cool take on the sort of Octavia idea. Although I know it's not um, it's not a clone by any means. And I was able to um, get my hands on one last year and it's just i mean it it's just all the fuzz craziness that i need and it's super cool because it's not just uh it, all the knobs interact in really interesting ways it's got uh it's got like a volume and then a, a high and low with um with great names meat and light mm-hmm. and as you as you change like as you crank the gain, you get different characters of gain, and as you work with the uh, with the the meat and light controls, you get really different characters out of it. So it's like it's not just like this is the fuzz sound; you get more or less of it. It's like you get really different kind of fuzz sounds within it. So I think that's super cool, and it it's just a really interesting sound, and and it also will give you that that great Hendrix uh, Octavia sound if you want it. That's solid. That's some good stuff right there. It's hard to choose. There's a lot of, a lot of <laughs> options, but you know, yeah. that's kind of where I fall. Someday I'll add a reverb pedal. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny. Cause I look at like, um, I've been doing the one minute wonders, these little one minute demos and stuff. And um, uh, I look up and I'm like, Ooh, what am I going to do? And I'm like, drive, drive. Drive, 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 delay. Drive, 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 fuzz, 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 delay. I'm like, man, I need to change up. I need some other stuff in here. You need to get a flanger pedal or something. Well, I have the Swiss Army knife from from that guy. 
Oh my gosh, I can't remember. I, I can't. I just blanked out. In the hand, not I'll loan you my hand, my buy hand. phase, and uh, do a one minute wonder on the buy phase. The Hampton, J- Jared, who makes the buy phase? That would be Mutron. Oh, he's, he said it <laughs> right. Nice. Oh, he's, he's a big boy now. I'm a big kid now. Yeah, man. I've got I've got an old uh, like a, a vintage Mutron sitting on my shelf that I swear someday I'm gonna fix. Oh yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, I love those things. What is it, by the way? Uh, it's that's the I think it's the second version of the Phaser. Yeah, I've got that. Yeah, oh, great little pedal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also have a flanger on my board, but it's my flanger. So there you go. Right on. <laughs> yeah. Well, love hearing a good four on the floor. Love to know what other people are playing and what they're willing to say that they're playing. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, sometimes we get some some ones that, you know, it's like, wow, no idea. I'm going to go research that. And so it's always great to hear that. That should be the case for just about everyone that we get to do. We need to dig into the the story, the story of uh, spun loud is that the right uh, <laughs> or spun loud spun loud um <laughs> dan are you an electronic genius by nature is that like are you is that a natural thing did you go to school for this what how did you start putting things together electronically i didn't go to school for it and uh i'm not an i'm not uh, an engineer uh, by any stretch. I, uh, I guess I started when I was, when I was a kid, my stepdad was always, uh, teaching me how to fix stuff. And, uh, he was really knowledgeable about electronics because his dad had built ham radios. And so I just sort of picked stuff up. I wasn't necessarily building stuff, but he would, he would draw circuits and talk about parts. And I sort of like, got bits and pieces. And then, you know, we did a lot of, uh, we built a boat together and I fixed a lot of cars. And so I learned a lot about soldering and putting electrical circuits together and what have you. So that stuff was sort of rattling around in my brain for a long time. And, uh, and I did a stint, uh, working in an electric motor shop as well, where I did built big, uh, electric motors, like industrial type stuff. Um, but that was sort of rattling around in my brain when I got to a place where uh, my friend Dakota, um, Dakota Cole, a guitar tech, suggested I might want to build my own guitar pedal. Mm. And that's kind of, that's what happened. <laughs> I just, I was like, yeah, that's an interesting idea. So, uh, so I did. I, I started looking on the internet, as so many people do. And I found some circuits to try out and I, you know, I built a couple of pedals and was like, yeah, that's cool. And then I started, you know, changing out parts and tweaking things and just trying to get the sound that I wanted. And, uh, I came up with these sort of two circuits. There was this, um, distortion circuit and this fuzz circuit that were iterations built upon iterations of classic circuits. And those were kind of the, the ones I wanted And uh, the drummer in my band at the time, who was also a very accomplished guitar player, uh, asked me if I would build a a pedal with both of those in it. And so I was like, sure, yeah, why not? And 
uh, set about doing that. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to build it, I should make cool art for it. And then I should call it something and I should call, you know, it should be made by some effects company. And so I sort of went down this road and uh, in the end, I handed him on Christmas this uh, blister and peel. And that was the, that was the beginning of, uh, of everything that happened. And he loved it, and other the other guitar player and bass player in my band at the time loved it and wanted one. So that's great. I built some more, and you know, it kind of got out of control from there. I mean, that's kind of cool hitting it uh, out of the park on the first one. You know, it's like I just remember when we were having a four on the floor. Um, someone said, um, "Oh yeah, so the the, the spun loud blister and peel." like oh check that and then it was like then i you know it's kind of like when you get a new car and you didn't realize that everybody else is driving the same car i was like holy crap i'm seeing and hearing about this thing all over the place well that's great to hear yeah Uh, yeah it's definitely uh it kind of surprised me to be honest because when i first built it and i played it i was like yeah that sounds pretty good and i was of course like i was testing it at home and um on a little practice amp at the initially because I, I didn't have anywhere to set any gear up and I was in this little tiny house anyway. And then when I started playing it through some bigger amps and stuff, I was like, wow, this is, this is cool. And then I just kept hearing what people were doing with it. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's super exciting. I mean, I, I'm happy. <laughs> so do you find yourself using the blister side or the peel side more? It really depends. Uh, I intended it to be that the blister side would be my always on and the peel side would be my sort of lead stacking. Um, mm-hmm. But then I actually ended up going the other way. And so a lot of times I'll run the, the peel side on a low, kind of a lower gain setting. And then, um, and of course it has the tone control on that side. So then I'll, then I'll stomp the blister on with the gain cranked up, and that'll be my lead sounds. Let, let's uh, hit real quick what the difference between so it's a is a dual drive pedal. On one side is the blister, and the other side is the peel. Can you uh, just explain a little bit about how what those two are and how they interact? Sure. Uh, so the blister side is based on the uh, Electra distortion, which is uh, many, any pedal builder probably knows, uh, and many non, many pedal people know as a sort of a classic distortion circuit that started out as, um, it was a built-in, like an onboard distortion circuit. And it's a fairly simple circuit and has been replicated and changed and modified a gazillion times. Uh, And the way I set it up, uh, I found that I was getting some really ripping distortion, but then cranked all the way up, it it slips into fuzz territory, maybe octave fuzz, depending on, I mean, depending on what your setup is, but, um, but it gets way up there. And uh, so that's, and that's just got a volume and a uh, um, gain control. And then the peel side is based on the um, Christian H Baz fuzz, uh, circuit that has floated around for some time. And that's a super simple fuzz circuit. And uh, I tweaked it a bit and ended up sticking an LED in, in a um, 
rather key position inside of that and got some sounds that I really liked. And that's uh, just got your your volume gain and tone. And the tone is more of a treble cut or um, or, add, or add a little sparkle to it. So that's, uh, yeah, and that's more of a traditional fuzz kind of sound, I guess. Okay, so when you have both of those working, you get like if you have either one of the sides of that your pedal, how how do they work together? And maybe even how 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 don't they work together? Because that's a sound too, right? Uh, I yeah, I well, I I think that they go really. I mean, they pair incredibly well. I I think anyway, and and others have have said as much. Um, obviously, you know, they stack and, uh, and they will really, I I don't know. I feel like sometimes you stack a distortion and fuzz and it doesn't really do anything to me. I mean, I, have got a couple other things that I've had on my board and I stack them and I'm like, yeah, it's not really jazzing things up with this. You definitely get a lot. And if you crank them both up and you stack them, it gets pretty, pretty wild Mm -hmm. and pretty out there. Well, and to clarify, when I say how that how don't they work together, um, you know, sound uh, what is good sound is very very subjective. And to some, when you do goose both things, or you have the tone way down low on one, and sometimes I guess the spectrum of what sounds good, there's always that sort of like, oh, that sounds kind of off what I was thinking. But that could be a hidden awesome sound that maybe just at on the outset doesn't sound readily accessible. But when you do something else with it, you know, it's that this is kind of, so those, those hidden ugly things that kind of sometimes sound amazing, like a range master, mm-hmm. depending on how you are recording it or what guitar you're playing at, it might sound nasty, terrible, like, Oh, I don't want to use that. But if you're recording it, and if you're recording it with a certain mic or the amp a certain volume, it can sound better than everything that your ear is actually hearing on the outset. And that happened when I was re- I was actually doing the demo. I said, gosh, that, I don't like the way that sounds. And I went back and listened. I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so it could be just, you know, the two things that are yeah. sitting on the outsides of my head playing games with me, but that's what I was going for. Yeah, well, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I sort of discovered after I, um, you know, had built a few of them, uh, is that the tone control, like if you turn it all the way, uh, well, depending, if you have a version one, if you turn it all the way counterclockwise, if you have a version two, it's the opposite direction. But if you cut all the treble and you just have one side on, it, you might kind of go, well, why would I want that? And that's what I thought. And I was like, oh, okay. So really the treble control is only useful from, from here up. But then I figured out somewhere along the line, somebody had both sides cranked up and turned the treble way down. And then it gave this like really cool kind of chunky fuzzy sound that mm-hmm. I didn't even realize it was capable of. So then I was like, wow, okay. So that's another dimension I didn't know about. Uh, so that's definitely, you know, something that, I sort of discovered in there. And another thing that I, that I do is um, I, re- I like to run mine and it kind of inspired my, my next pedal is I would run both sides on, but I would have the, both of them at fairly low gain, like a little more of the blister side and fairly low on the peel side. And then the treble cranked all the way up and then um, playing on the bridge pickup. And I would get these, 
you know, kind of uh, jangly, you know, uh, 1960s kind of British blues rock sounds that I was just really into. Neat. And, uh, and that was something that I didn't discover for a long time, you know, and, and it's my own pedal. <laughs> <laughs> right? So Awesome. Awesome. So when you're building, um, what are some, uh, what is the hardest thing for you to do when you're building? Like, do you have sort of the thing that is uh, maybe the... W- I don't want to say the weak link in, in your abilities, but maybe it's the hardest, a harder thing for you to do. I mean, it, well, I recently with a lot of help from John, uh, learned how to lay out PCBs in Eagle. And that was, uh, that was a huge, huge hurdle for me to get over. Uh, cause I, I had been, so when I first started the blister and peel, I was building those on strip board or Vero board. And, you know, it's very time consuming and you got to cut the pieces and, and cut the copper. And I mean, it just, it takes a long time to build them. And so I had uh, Jordan at Pinebox do a layout for me for that. And so that's when I went to the V2 and I was on PCB and, and it's great. It's so much faster. And I was like, I got to learn how to do this. And uh, I started working on it and uh, John can tell you how many gazillion messages he has gotten and mm-hmm. will continue to get from me about Eagle. But I just like getting over that hump, it's like it unlocked so much for me. Like I'm probably, you know, I'm not going to be prototyping much on a breadboard even at this point. Cause it's like, well, I can lay something out. And if I think it's at all usable, I can order some prototype boards and try it out that way. So, um, so that was a big one that I recently got over. But I also think that not being a, an engineer and not, uh, you know, I'm not an expert and I don't know everything there is to know about uh, electronics design. So uh, that's an area where I just keep trying to learn and uh, read things and ask questions and, um, you know, keep growing and, you know, and building stuff. So um, that gave yeah. me such comfort and warmth knowing <laughs> just, I, I, I'm not being like facetious at all. Like I love to know that people who are making awesome stuff aren't self, you know, you're not an expert. You just said it. I I'm you're, you're struggling through these things, John. It's, it's funny because all you have to do is know the answer to the question. Someone asks you and you look like a genius, but <laughs> on the, on the other end of that, you know, it, it, you have to know what question you need to ask next. And, mm-hmm. and to Dan's point, I'm, I'm the very same way. I, mm-hmm. I, I spend every minute I can studying what's out there, looking at schematics and trying to figure out how, what's going on here. And if I don't know, that's what I ask. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely an uphill journey because I'm in the same boat. I've got, I've got no formal electronics background. It's all self-taught. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's tough. Well, but that's how you learn. That's how you you just bang on something, and pretty soon it's like, oh, that that works now, I guess, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then, I mean, or I you call a friend. <laughs> I or that's just why I just plug a solder on it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Solder. Go bit. <laughs> yeah. Or go on a Facebook group and learn from everybody else. There you go. People do know. Uh, so let's see. You uh, you also have something else called. Uh, is that pedal of is the next pedal officially out? The um 
law pedal? Uh, it's not it's not released yet, but we can absolutely talk about it. I just can't. Uh, well, I don't know when this is going to air, so um, I guess week. that. Okay, so I can't say the exact release date, but I can talk about roughly when it's going to be available. Cool. Well, let's talk about that one real quick. Okay. Well, it's called the Litigator, and it's an overdrive pedal. And uh, it, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I, I was getting these kind of British blues rock sounds out of the Blister and Peel, and I was like, I want to build a pedal that really just does that and does it well. And so that's where I got the idea to build the litigator. And so I just started, uh, you know, I, I put some gain stages together and, um, and it's also transistor based overdrive and just started playing around and God, now it's like last September, even maybe August when I, I breadboarded something that I was like, yeah, this is, this is in the vein of what I want to do. And then I actually had to pack up my house and move. So mm. big delay there because there was no, there was nowhere to build stuff or play with stuff. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, then I, you know, worked to refine it. I, um, got it pretty close. I, uh, sent a bunch of prototypes out, one of which, uh, John has that he, he shared with you guys and got feedback mostly to other, uh, builders, or people, you know, who knew about pedals, so they could kind of tell me what what worked and what didn't. And uh, yeah, it's, it's I'm super excited. It's like a creamy, sparkly uh, overdrive. It's uh, one person said they felt like it's got kind of a fuzz like character to the to the overdrive. And I don't know if everybody agrees, but um, but I just I don't know. I'm really excited about it. Uh, it's the pedal I want to play all the time right now. So I feel like that's that's the right direction. Why did you yeah. call it the litigator? <laughs> well, I because it was it was taking its inspiration from these uh, you know these British blues sounds. I was telling a friend about this uh, this friend of mine, Kevin, and um, and he's like, "Oh, it sounds super cool." He's like, "Dude, you got to call it the litigator," because of course, you know the the blues lawyer joke kind of came up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I kind of said, yeah, thanks, you know, and, and at first I was, you know, I was like, well, I'll, I'll think about it. But then as I, as I kept going, I just was like, yeah, of course, why not? And, you know, let's, let's go with that and see what happens. And so I worked with a friend uh, in Seattle on some art and we went through a few iterations and uh, eventually came up with the, the sort of Lady Justice graphic that's on there. And I was like, yeah, I think Litigator is awesome. So let's do it. Nice, nice. So, it kind of reminded me of like a little bit of a Tweety kind of thing. Okay, all right. You know, just like kind of pushed. Yeah, well, the thing that I liked about it is it wasn't. Oh, hi, so, Tony. It wasn't so over the top. <laughs> oh, hi, Todd. Nice. <laughs> what time did you get here, Todd? <laughs> I was sitting out front. We didn't even know each other were here. <laughs> no, I, so I, I found it to be uh, that was a, that was a fun little pedal to play with because you know i'm not a a big fuzz fan but i like the the fact that you know it's it's it was very controllable and at least in on my gear it um it added a little extra oh i don't know grind or bite or whatever you want to call it i would have called it the barrister so (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I would say, you know, having played it and having been the first one in the room here to have played it, um, I, I agree with everything everybody said. It's what I found is if you set the gain to where it is fuzzy and then back off your guitar volume control, you've mm. got just so much control over over the, the the way that it reacts. It's very responsive to, you know, pick strength and, and, and uh, your own control of the guitar. Uh, just a, I, I told Dan, I said, you know, it, it takes a lot for me to try a pedal and then grab the breadboard that I've been working on for six months and throw it in the trash because like, okay, I, I can't compete with that. <laughs> 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 but it's, uh, you know, it is good and it's uh, very dynamic and, and I've, I've kind of seen it from the beginning um, because this was the the circuit that we started the the Eagle journey with. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see it come to fruition and to hear it and play it, it's I'm pretty excited about it. Well, thank you, John. Awesome. And, and you know, thank you, Tony, as well. I, oh, I appreciate that. You're very welcome. I, I've not had the pleasure to play it. Sorry. You will. Well, you can borrow it anytime, Jared. I've got it at oh. the studio. <laughs> Uh, so now are you working on anything beyond that? Are you already on to something else or, and, and if that's, if the, if it is and it's secret or something like that, you can withstand and not, and not say anything, but I'm just, I'm always curious to see like what, what stage, how building mentality works. Like, are you, do you build and say, all right, I'm done with that on to the next thing. Or are you in a continuous creation mode? Uh, it's a little bit of both for me that, so this was an idea that was in my mind for like a year and a half, um, the litigator Mm -hmm. and, uh, before I actually like built something, I had sort of laid it out in my mind a couple different ways. In fact, none of those ways actually worked. So, um, originally it was going to be op amp based and it just didn't work the way I wanted it. So that went out, that went in the trash. So the next thing that I want to work on is in my head, I haven't actually done anything uh, breadboarding-wise or, or layout-wise other than think about it, but I want to do a reverb uh, based on the, um, the Belton brick, or um, there are a bunch of iterations of it. but uh, The Belton brick? Belton brick. Belton brick. I'm not familiar with that. What, what's that? what is that? It's the uh, the or Accutronics. It's it's basically an analog reverb. Uh, I would not say it's a chip. Uh, it's a big. It's a giant brick, basically. Um, that okay. has. So it's a it's, component. It's a component. Okay. Yeah, and it's been used in a number of um, of analog reverb circuits over the years. the The latest version has a little more control. Uh, and you can do stereo, which I would like to do. So I bought one, just one, to play with, and um, it's sitting on my desk. And uh, John and I have talked a little bit about it. I've at least ex- shared with him my interest in figuring that out and putting something together. So that's uh, that's what I want to do. And I I don't really know uh, how wild I want to get with it, but like I said earlier, I need a reverb on my board. And so I'm going to build a reverb that I want. And, uh, you know, if, if everything goes to plan, it'll, again, be a pedal that other people want. What characteristics 
do you want your reverb to do? I mean, I, I want a, I want a vintage spring reverb sound. Um, mm. but I, but I want it to be, I want to have a little more control because obviously I'm not, I'm not working with, uh, an actual spring reverb tank. So, uh, I, I mean, I guess that's, you know, that's what I want. And I, beyond that, I, it's just going to have to kind of be a journey by trial and error. Cause yeah. I, ha- I haven't really used a reverb in a long time. I, I had a, um, I was playing through a super reverb amp for a while in a band I was in and, uh, I would, you know, I would kick that on relatively low reverb setting for some of my leads and stuff, but I didn't really, you know, it just didn't go deep on it. So I want to go deep down the rabbit hole and, uh, and just make it uh, a cool and interesting reverb and maybe I'll pair it with something else. I don't know. Um, but I, I definitely want to do the reverb. I want to do a delay at some point too. Nice. Nice. Uh, gentlemen, any other, anything else that we want to pepper our friend Dan with real quick before we head on over into, uh, Jared's neighborhood. Uh, did we ever talk about where Spun Loud came from? Oh yeah, let's let answer that one, shall we? Oh, the name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I will. Um, John knows that's why he's. Well, asking. I mean, if it's if it's uh, work safe, I don't know. <laughs> I, I well, I'll I'll keep I'll give you the short version, and uh, we can I can give you the the longer version uh, at some other point in the future, but. Uh, <laughs> So way back, uh, way back in the early 2000s, uh, I was a, uh, a producer of, of live shows and I formed a production company called Spun Loud Productions. And uh, there was a little offshoot of that called Spun Loud Records because we ended up doing, setting up and doing these demo recordings for local bands um, over on the Olympic Peninsula here in Washington. And so for a number of years, uh, that was... Uh, you know, that was my thing. And, uh, it was super fun and interesting. And so when I got around to doing the pedals, I was like, that sort of popped in my mind. And, uh, you know, maybe it was for lack of a better idea, or it was just something that I, uh, you know, I, I was attached to, um, uh, it was a little sentimental, right? So, uh, I went back and I dug up the old logo for that. And I was like, well, that's not really going to work. So then I, of course, started from scratch, but I just, I decided it was a nice little um, homage, if you will, to that time, which was a super fun and interesting time in my life. And uh, yeah. Awesome. You just said uh, Olympic Peninsula. And um, I just remember Olympia beer. Oh, and I still think that's the coolest beer logo ever. I love it. Fun, two fun asides there. One, I uh, I lived down in Olympia for a uh, a few months during a legislative session some years ago, and I lived uh, right up the hill from the Tumwater River and within sight of the original Olympia Brewery. Wow. So that was kind of cool. And then, uh, I don't know if you saw, but I think yesterday they announced that uh, they're going to stop making Olympia beer, which of course is now made by Pabst and whatever conglomerate owns them. But anyway, they're, they're pausing because apparently people aren't buying enough Olympia beer. So that's crazy. I mean, if they would have done it right, that would have been the, it's like they could have done what Miller high life and Pabst did, you know, it's like 
they could have blown that up because it was sort of like the um, the West Coast blue collar beer, you know. Anyways, yeah. I just I just remember as a kid, my my grandpa would be having waffles and he'd have a waffle in Olympia, <laughs> 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 and we went up there and toured. And I remember as a kid just going like, I they gave me beer like at the, at the tour like what you know because way back then it uh, didn't really matter. How long ago was that? Way back then, when, <laughs> they, when they were still making pull tabs. Those are like oh, yeah. the, the ones you actually pull off, not, you know, tsh, you know, crazy. Oh, yeah. Way back in the days. Anyways, cool. Now everybody's going to go check out Olympia. And who knows? Maybe we've revived <laughs> just by the mere mention. It's possible. Let's, let's get it on Reddit. I had an Olympia <laughs> shirt. Right. I wore an Olympia. I had a T-shirt. That was my souvenir. So this, I'm going to school with Olympia beer shirt on. Like as a, as in in elementary school, like. <laughs> anyways, that uh, explains. Yes, and I rode all the way back from the from the down the coast all the way back with no seatbelt in the back of the car. So why would you? Yeah. Anyways, uh, this has been awesome talking to you, my friend, and um, I we're really excited about the you know the pedals you're making, and um, uh, it's great finding more out about the builder. Oh, I I probably should add that the litigator will be released in February. I just perfect. Check out the Instagram to uh, learn the date in the coming. It will be February when this airs. So shortly after this airs, you'll yeah. be able to get your own litigator. Right. right. Next week's February. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> All right. Big Jared. Oh. We're ringing your bell. Oh, yes. I'm here, too. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our little game. The little game is called. Would you rather this would you rather is coming from our executive producer, Gary Koopa. Gary, thank you very much for the would you rather. I'm going to read it. Would you rather make music for yourself that you are personally 100% happy with? No doubts in your songwriting or you're content with your playing technique and execution. The sound is expressed exactly the way you hear it in your head, and it's amazing. But you're the only one that ever gets to enjoy it. Nobody else outside of the band gets to hear you play. Or would you rather be playing music that is heard and loved by millions and billions, but you had zero creative input or control? Basically, functioning as a super successful gun for hire type of musician. Oh, the question of the ages right there, man. Yeah. So, in other words, would you rather write some awesome music that nobody will ever hear, or would you rather just, you know, be a sidekick of somebody who does and millions of people hear it? Hmm. Um, well, the first po- very poetic version of that, I'm going to hang on. Um, Tony Baloney, mm-hmm. you first. 
We all well, t- we all took a step back, and you're standing up. You're standing there now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I, I thought. I heard somebody moving backwards. <laughs> a breeze. Um, you know, really, what is the point of writing something if nobody's going to hear it but yourself? I mean, so you know, enjoyment, I mean, fulfillment, <laughs> achievement, <laughs> all the mints, <laughs> big can of mints. You're familiar with that, Todd. Yes. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> Terrible. Jared. 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 Go, why are you go. why are you so hushing me, Jared? Go I'm get yourself worst. an Olympia beer, Jared. I'm the worst. I know. All right, Tony. You're not getting out of this. Um I think I'm gonna be the sidekick that plays the stuff that millions of people enjoy. I mean I don't write the songs that make the whole world sing. <laughs> that's that's basically it. So you can, you know, yeah, yeah. That's a, take that to the bank. All right. Let's see. I'm going to go over to John here. Well, Mr. Dudzik and I agree on a lot of things, but I don't think we're going to agree on this. I I feel the opposite. You're not coming to the shop anymore. Uh, well. <laughs> You're out. <laughs> oh shoot. But, uh, yeah, I really feel like, you know, my journey through music has always been for self-fulfillment and, you know, that's, that would be my ideal scenario is to be able to do exactly what I want to think something in my head and have it come out of my fingers. And, um, I guess given the choice of those two polar extremes, that'd be the one I'd choose. Now, obviously I'd love to be somewhere in the middle, but, Mm. But also, I'd like to point out, I'm a little disappointed, Jared, that we didn't get to go walking down the street at the beginning of this. <laughs> well, oh, we're not- he's not finished yet, so maybe <laughs> there's still time. Uh, Jared, how about yourself? Well, <sighs> see how he's going to work this one in. When I was walking down the street, <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, uh, I've done projects with people that no one's ever heard before, so I know how that feels. Um, and it, I would actually, I'm going to go with good old Tony Baloney on this. Um, you've got, you know, you've got your bands that do the, the power hits, you know, and you've got the people that are very loyal to those bands and they want to see all the original members. So at some point you will be appreciated, you know. Maybe not the whole ride, but, you know, after 20, 30 years of that hit being a hit, they're always going to wonder, hey, what happened to that guy in the back that played the tambourine? (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, I'll go with Tony. I think it's better than I want to give credit to John, though. I I understand where he's coming from. And, and, uh, you know, in some aspects, I agree with him, too. Mm, Okay. But I'll go on this all right dan yeah i i think this is a this is a good challenge um but i think i'm gonna end up going with john on this one uh just because i i mean i i think i'm kind of in the same boat that i started playing music because i wanted to write songs and uh you know and i i enjoy that and i like playing my music and and i have certainly worked on uh as as jared said i've worked on projects that never saw the light of day and 
even though they never saw the light of day, it was super fun to work on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, you know, I think it, I would rather, you know, occasionally have somebody hear my music. But uh, but if, if I got to pick one, I think I got to go with that because I, I don't, you know, it would be fun to be a hired gun and be out there doing the big shows and everything. But um, I think I'd get more satisfaction out of just, you know, writing my stuff and, and having it here. What about you? Deciding about vote Tony? there. Vice President Novak. Well, here's the deal. I mean, I've been in bands where, where, where it's been my own music. I have been in, I've led a Johnny, uh, Johnny Cash tribute. And I've led a class tribute and have done, you know, uh, did special you nights. A, we did a like Johnny we, Clash tribute. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's how it started actually. Um, and that's what the original band was called. Um, and done, you know, some shows where we were just like, all right, we're just going to have a misfits night for Halloween. You know, that's amazing. Right. And here's, here's what it, what it comes down to for me is that I, I love the creative, uh, experience of the music. I also maybe more than that, know how much I love rock and roll. Like it is in my bones. I, I absolutely love it. And I love the, ex- the shared experience when I'm playing a show. And if, if you're playing and you've got the same energy and the crowds, it's like, it's just, you're, it's a, it's a very, very special thing. And I've had that in both instances, whether it's my own music or, you know, I'm, I'm playing uh, some, something that's already been done. Um, I get a little bit extra when it's mine because, you know, you're like, right, this is the thing I made you like it. Yes. You know, you get that back, but I've had fantastic experiences just rocking out just all of us together, you know, it's not mine. That's okay. So I'm going to go with as long as I can just have a kick-ass time rocking out. I'm going with that with other, if it's somebody else's stuff, that's that, that that would be all right with me. I guess that's better than being known as the guy in the back that played the tambourine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if that, if he's rocking out, then more power to him. Right. So oh, it's, yeah. it sounds like uh, we have Knob Island and Builder Island. Yes, I get it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, so anyways, that was a really, really good one. Yes, and was. Uh, that was very difficult to answer. I mean, I think most of us are actually probably on the fence on that. I don't know that there's... Thank you, Gary. Very, yeah. uh, it makes you think. Very insightful. All right. Uh, Tony... Yes, we have a few people to thank, and then we're going to say thank you and adios to um, our pal Dan. Yes, well, dude, there uh, y- you keep adding to my list. What's going on here, Dang, man? Are people just they they must listen to this segment of the show and get so inspired? <laughs> is that is that what it is? Yep. It is inspirational, Tony. It's the Tony <laughs> voice, Tony Baloney. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, I'm talking about the segment of the show where we like to thank a special group of people. These would be our executive producers. They help make, they make make the show possible. Let's, let's not, let's not mince words. They do it. You might be wondering how you can become an executive producer. 
simple. Patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. You can check out a couple different levels in which you can participate and become a patron, a sponsor, if you will, of this podcast. There's a great bevy of thank you gifts, including things like t-shirts and barefoot buttons and keychains and picks and stickers and oh all my kinds of stuff. The list yep. goes on. But as an executive producer, you get all that great stuff, but there's one more thing. And what is that, Jared? You get to have your name read on the thing. Your name read on the thing. And that's what I'm going to do right now. And in honor of having three, count them, three new executive producers. Wow. I'm going to start from the newest and work my way backwards. So I'm going to read this group of people right now. We've got a couple of new executive producers. So we're going to start from the newest and work our way backwards. So special thanks to Rob Saxby, Gary Cooper, Douglas King, David Rando, Jason Rausch, John Jackson, Michael DeLucio, John Williams, Tyg Harmon. Uh-oh. What happened to my phone? My phone go boom. <laughs> Richard Kendall, James Pennington, Liam Martin, Matt Hart, James White, Brett Alexander, Justin Jones, Doug Gann, John Esterly, Chris Heidel, Brad Partridge, Tyler Bray, John Anglin, Anthony, Anthony, how about Anthony Anthony Lanthrop, Johnny Knowles, Stefan Lamb, Michael Senchuk, Brian Robison, Ken Sayers, Michael Van Zant, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, Chris Kearney, John Daly, Martin Cliff, and Tom Morazin. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. wait, 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 wait. There is a, uh, an elevated level of an executive producer. We like to call them right. our grand poobas. That's right. We have a, a previous executive producer who has now become a grand pooba. So. Who is it? Are you are you waiting with bated breath? I am. Who is our new Pooba? Our newest Pooba, Mr. Tyler Rines. Hey! Right on. And in addition, how about Tim Nowak, Steve Keys, Adam Johnson, Mark Garten, Tommy Manasco, Sean S. Yes. Cody Fasta, Cody Lane, David Kaminga, Corey Nigro, Jen. How about Last but not least, Mr. Jonathan Jeruzek. Right on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank Thank you guys so very much. Truly, truly appreciate it. It keeps us going, and it it warms the cockles of our souls. Uh, Let's see. We need to say a ginormous thank you, in addition to our friend Dan of Spun Loud Effects. Dan, thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, yeah, thanks Dan. for having me. It was a blast. You yeah, good. bet. And where, again, can people find you and buy your awesome stuff? Uh, they could find it at spunloud.com or uh, instagram.com slash spunloud or I guess facebook.com slash spunloud. But uh, try those first two first because you never know. Right on. And when this comes out, your new, your new pedal is going to be available. So everybody needs to jump on that while there's still some being made. 
right? Yeah. In fact, if uh, if anybody wants to get the early word, I will. I'll probably be sending out a, a email blast to anyone who's signed up on the website. So um, good so that's call. A good plan too. Make sure you do that. All right. Um, and John, where can people find you? Well, you can find me at www.rarebuzzer.com. That's with an ER at the end. Uh, at Rare Buzzer everywhere on social media. And I would uh, also tell people either follow on Instagram or get on that email list because I've got a lot of stuff happening in the mm. next probably four weeks. So right on, right on. Gonna, you're going to want to four see. weeks. Uh, and Tony Balonsky? Head over to pickguardian.com. Check out the stuff that I have available for sale. Uh, but by and large, what I do is custom work. So just shoot me an email. Let me know what you need. Kind of materials, pickups, all the fun stuff. I will take good care of you. Awesome. You email him. Jared. That's right. Uh, if you need some pickups and uh, you need some noiseless Jazzmaster pickups, because we all know Jazzmaster pickups, they're noisy. Noisy. You need noiseless. Um, yeah, go to BrandonWallPickups.com. And, uh, and like, Tony, I am a very, very custom builder type guy. So just send me an email, call me. I don't care. I, I answer the phone like an idiot all the time. So call me. Right on. Talk. Fantastic. You Check can, out my show. Oh, yeah. Rewind time with Brandon Wound Pickups. I've yeah. been enjoying those, Jared. It's good. It's nice to see you. Thanks. You can check us out as well on YouTube. Uh, we are up there. You don't have to see us much. You can just listen along while you're doing whatever you happen to be doing, cleaning the house or crying in a corner or whatever you're doing. Uh, and you can drop me an email, Todd at the guitar knobs.com or DM on Instagram at guitar knobs. Send us a little something. I'll share it with the two clowns, uh, Jared and Tony. I mean, and, um, We'd love to hear from you. Send us your would-you-rathers, too. We're running a little low on those, everybody. So, in the meantime, big thanks again to Dan. Have a great guitar weekend. Subscribe! Yeah. yeah. What is happening to me? <laughs> uh, it's You'll come out smelling like gold on the other end, hopefully. And okay. I don't know if that smells good or not. I yeah, what does gold really smell, smell like? Gold. You're five yeah. by five, Dan. <laughs> Sweet. I have a potty mouth. Oh, Tony, yes. Hello. Yes. Let's get this potty started. I've actually heard that they've they're developing um another one that's basically like a, a small piece of like chewy gum like wax kind of thing. And you just chew it up and spit it out and that's what they test. Oh, oh I want that. <laughs> you can't eat it. Spit it Jared. out. No. <laughs> spit it out. It's not no food. Hey John, you you gotta do a. Uh, Tony and I's part to annoy Todd because well, you're there with him. That was a good delay. I got to knock out a last work email that came in. So oh, good. good. Perfect timing, guys. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can get a full day's work in if we continue. <laughs> I just Let's thought roll, that we man. do things Let's at different times. I'm trying. You guys keep talking. And then pick up the pace. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, are you there? Uh, what? Yeah, yeah, I'm just you know working on it. All right, Jared's impatient because he's got ice cream to eat later or something. Go, all right, check please. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com 
forward slash The Guitar Knobs. Visit our website at theguitarnobs.com for all of our past episodes, Four on the Floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.